The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. Good evening, Heritage family. Or good Friday evening, I should say. Hey, we're blessed to be here with you guys. Uh, Blessed to be celebrating the death of our Lord, which sounds kind of funny to say that we're celebrating that, but... As we know in Jesus, this isn't the end of the story. Yet tonight's a night where we really get to fix our eyes on the cross. And Jesus' death as the Son of God laid down His life. So tonight, historically here at our church, has been a little bit of a different service. But it's always been so good. And that's our hope and our prayer is that wherever you're tuning in from, that you would have an amazing night with your Lord and your Savior, your God, as you remember what he did in showing his love, his glory, and his justice on the cross that day. So we're going to sing a few songs. I just want to encourage you guys to kneel before the Lord, to lay it all out before Him. So we worship. The life you gave, your body was broken, your love poured Thank you for the cross. 
to go to that cross that day. You were going to do that all for a, a wicked people, an undeserving people. 
how we rejoice in your love as we fix our eyes on the cross, God. We pray that you be honored, God, in this time. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, guys, um, I'm going to have Brent and Jeremy come up on stage. But before we do, we want to give you guys an opportunity uh, to maybe scour through at your cupboards to find uh, some communion supplies. Anything you guys can have. We're going to be taking communion as a church later on. So we wanted to give you guys a couple of seconds to go do that so that we can all partake as a church family. So I'll invite the boys up, and then um, you guys can go snag that communion, and we'll be back here in about 30 seconds to a minute. Thanks, guys. So anyway, um, my name is Brent, and welcome to welcome to Good Friday, guys. Um, I want to tell you guys how much we appreciate having you guys here tonight with us. Um, we are having a little bit of technical difficulties. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten that uh, Christmas gift at Christmas, put it up, and it's like, this thing's supposed to work. Well, we <laughs> we got a really nice... Uh, a really nice thing that will be a blessing to us in the long term, and uh, we've got some really uh, competent, skilled people working on this and uh, trying to get this figured out. Uh, but we do know um, that something's going on there, and we're working our best to try to figure that out. So uh, so we apologize um, for that. Um, so obviously, today we're selling good, celebrating Good Friday. Uh, good Friday is our opportunity to remember Christ and his death uh, on our behalf. And, um, and as we um, do that, what I want to do is I want to pray. Um, I mean, it's just prayed, obviously. But I want to pray um, for the Spirit of God to work in a way that only He can um, through technical difficulties, through the means of, of video and uh, coming into your home. And um, as, as we teach the Word of God and we worship God together collectively, I want to pray uh, that the Spirit of God would uh, work in, in the only way He can. So let's pray together. Um, Father, You're good. You are so good to us. And, um, and on a day um, that we celebrate something we call today Good Friday, we know that it costs You greatly. It costs You Your one and only Son. Um, but praise be to You that, um, that the grave did not hold down Your Son. But God, you, through the power of you and your spirit, you rose him from the grave. And uh, we praise you for that. God, I pray that uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, 
through the means of, of guys like us and, and through the means of your spirit meeting people in their living rooms or wherever they're at right now. Spirit of God, I pray that you would work and you would give much glory to King Jesus um, so that uh, we worship him as we should this weekend. And, um, and not only this weekend, but moving forward. Spirit of God, work. Work in a way only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wait, hey, I wanna, what we want to do tonight is uh, paint a little bit of the story of God that led up to Good Friday, to, that led up to the death of Jesus and then the subsequent resurrection that we'll be celebrating on Sunday um, for Easter. And with that, I want to I read one thing to you. And I want this to set the stage for where we're going tonight. And then we're going to come back to it at the end. But I want, the thing I want you to hear, and I want to read to you, it says, because of the death of Jesus, you can have a relationship with God and live a godly life. Because of the death of Jesus, you, me, us, we have a relation, we can have a relationship with God. Praise be to him for that. And also we can live a godly life because of that. And so that, that's going to set the trajectory of where we're going tonight. And, um, and, and in doing so, I want, to le- I want to really paint the picture of some of the events that led up to the death of Jesus. Um, the, you know, not only the week before and his life, but re- well, really his life <laughs> on, on earth as God in flesh, God incarnate, Jesus Christ. And um, just a recap, and a lot of these things you know. I mean, if I asked my kids, they would know these things and they'd be able to recite these, but ch- these are good heart reminders of, of Christ. Um, first, Jesus was born to a virgin. He lived a sinless, perfect life. Um, he co- committed around 37 miracles before he was crucified on the cross. Um, some of those included bringing people back from the dead, he, healing sickness, uh, feeding 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish, um, walking on water, um, my fa- personal favorite, putting an ear back on someone's head. That's pretty cool without Gorilla Glue or something. I'll take that. Um, that's our King Jesus. Um, the day before he was crucified, he had had, he had had last meal with his disciples that we're going to celebrate later in communion. And that's where he instituted communion. He was betrayed uh, by, Jude, uh, by Judas and then sentenced to death. Uh, a sinless man sentenced to death for sinful people. And, um, but that, it's a death and a subsequent resurrection that would change everything. It's the reason why we are sitting here in a building on a Friday night, you know, sharing the word of God, worshiping this God over a live stream is because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Like it's changed everything. And so, um, and then just even the week before the, in the days and hours leading up to his, um, his being killed on a cross, Jesus was flogged. He, a crown of thorns was forced on his head. He was beaten, blood, just bloodedly, is that a word, bloodily? Uh, mutilated. I mean, his body was head, his body was beaten. He was placed on a cross with criminals beside him. A sinless savior placed on a cross with other criminals on our behalf. And then, and I want to uh, kind of, as we fast forwarding through this story, 
I want to read to you one of the accounts of, of, one, of one of Jesus' last sayings. In general, there's around seven sayings that, um, that are recorded in the Gospels. And they all happen in different time, um, in, in different timeline there. And most people think that what he said right here is probably the second to last thing he said on, on the cross. And this is in John chapter 19. And it's, uh, I'm going to be reading verses 28 through 30. And he said, uh, or excuse me, John wrote, After this, Jesus, knowing that all now was finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. He was thirsty. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let me read that, that last verse again. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so the end of the story seemingly was with those three words as, that are translated in English for us, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, for us, it's three words in English for the uh, for Greek, Quine Greek, which would be the, the common language of the day. That translates as one word, and it, it's this uh, really cool word called tetelestai. Um, I don't speak Greek, but uh, that's what the Greek scholars tell me at least. And, and with that, um, you know, just some of the things that, that the meaning behind that was amazing, it was an amazing, deep, rich meaning. And he finished, and I'm going to go through some of those deep, rich meanings here in a second. He finished with the, the, that one word on the cross. And I even think about, okay, that was one of Jesus' last words. You know, I even process back, okay, God in flesh as a baby, what was his first word? Maybe, you know, Abba in Aramaic, you know, speaking to his dad, Joseph. And he finishes with, to tell die, it is finished. And this word right here, it was a, it was a, sign, um, it was a signifier of completion. Even uh, Paul, uh, when he in when he's writing to Timothy in, in the uh, book of Second Timothy, he's finished his race. He's he's finished pursuing Christ and pointing people uh, to Christ in really the second half of his life. And he's Paul said he says, "I fought the good fight. I have finished the race." A signif- uh, signifier of completion. Jesus, right there, he is saying with emphat- emph- emphatic emphatic. Emphasis, <laughs> emphatic emphasis. There's a double negative. I don't know. I don't know my grammar very well, but and it, but it's power packed, a power packed word, and 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 that power packed word is you know a statement of finality, but it's also often in those days was a financial term. Someone owed you know five thousand dollars in in modern day U.S. Someone they worked hard, they paid that off. At the end of that, they would say, "Hey, your debt's taken care of." Tetelestai, it is finished. So Jesus, at the end of his life, he says, it is finished, Tetelestai. It's done. So what is done? So if, if I had, if this was a cartoon, you know, you've ever seen those cartoons where, you, or, or a show even, you see a scene and then it, you know, runs back really fast to the very beginning. Let's do some of that, that leads up, the story of God that leads up to it is finished. 
And I want to start off, and, and this is really basic things, but these are such good, deep, rich biblical truths to, hold, to grab hold of, uh, to know why we <laughs> celebrate the risen, crucified and risen Savior. First, creation. I want, I want you guys to hear a thing about creation. God was doing that, and he was doing that through Christ. So everything that we see, universe, galaxies, everything was done by Christ and through Christ. And even Colossians 1 says that. It says, talking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. The same Jesus that we're worshiping tonight, that died on the cross that we celebrate tonight. Everything was created through him and for him. And he, Jesus, is before all things and in him hold, all things hold together. Jesus holds it all together. At any moment, he can snap his finger and it's done with. Because he holds that power, that power of creation. And he is more or less the glue, the maker and the glue that holds it all together. This is the, the creation done by this Christ that says it is finished. Um, and just some of the things, just a recap of, of what Jesus created in six days. Day one, universe and light. Day two, sky. Day three, dry land and plant life. Day four, stars, moon, sun. Day five, sea creatures, birds. Um, no mosquitoes in there anywhere, thankfully. Uh, day six, all land creatures, including humans, Adam and Eve. And then we, that's where we get to Genesis 1, 31. It says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. What the perfect God created was perfectly perfect. <laughs> Adam and Eve also were in perfect relationship with him. And uh, interestingly enough, I was thinking, I was like, I would love to um, find a really good quote that this hammers home the beauty of creation that Christ has done on our behalf. And I found it in a really deep theolo theology book called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, many of your kids may have this at home. If you don't, let us know. We can get this to you, a solid book. And um, I want to read to you just the, the beauty of creation and, and, and told really in a way that uh, is super digestible for kids, for us, hopefully, <laughs> as well as adults. And it says, uh, God saw that all that he had made and he loved them. And they were lovely because he loved them. God saved the best for last in creating man and woman. From the beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. They would be his children and the world would be their perfect home. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, God said. You're the mo most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all his heart. And they were lovely because he loved them. And Adam and Eve joined in the, star, the song of the stars and the streams and the wind and the trees, the wonderful song of love to the one who had made them, God. Their hearts were filled with happiness and nothing ever made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid. God looked at everything he had made perfect, he said, and it was. But all the stars and the mountains and the oceans and galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would, he would move heaven and earth to be near them always. Whatever happened, whatever it cost him, he would always love them. And so it was that the wonderful love story began. So Jesus on the cross saying it is finished. 
it started somewhere. It started perfect. It started with creation. But then things changed. Things changed very, uh, very badly. And uh, Mitch is going to walk us through kind of what that looked like and how that impacts us and, and how that plays into It Is Finished. Yeah, thanks, Brent. Real quick question, uh, along with mosquitoes. There definitely was no poison oak. Yeah, no, nah. not at all. Hey, well, um, I have the opportunity to talk about sin, and I feel like I'm the best person to talk about this because in the <laughs> same way that Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners, that's how I feel too. I think about Adam and Eve and what they had with the Lord, walking in the garden with him. Everything was just perfect. Probably had a pet lion. Kids, if you're out there and you ever wanted a pet lion, so do I. Adam and Eve probably had that. It was before there was animosity between animals and people, probably. It was pretty stinking awesome. And God was their king and their dad, and they were hanging out with him. But then along comes this slippery, slithering serpent, right? Satan shows up, and he deceives Eve in the garden. And, and as you guys probably know the story, God had told them, you can eat anything that you want, any of the fruit of the trees, but just don't eat this one, okay? So that was pretty clear instruction from the Lord, but ultimately Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to try things their own way. They're deceived by the serpent. They said, maybe I should believe this lie. Maybe God's not good. Maybe God isn't looking out for my best interest. Maybe he's not the good father that I thought he was. And so uh, fate would have it, right? Eve takes that fruit and takes a bite and Adam right after her uh, and then it all spirals downhill very, very quickly. Um, as you guys might know, the book of Romans shares a really, really cool picture of what actually happened that day. And I just want to read it. It's from Romans 5, verse 12. And it says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Why do I bring up that verse? Because this is what happened in that moment, what we call the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Sin entered into God's perfect world and death entered into the world through sin. And everything was cursed and broken and jacked up. And here's the thing. It kind of sounds out there like kind of an odd theory until you meet another human being or you examine yourself. See, death spread from Adam and Eve to every single person that's ever been born after them. We're no longer perfect, of course. We're sinful beings by nature and by choice. Again, you don't have to convince people this too much because either you can recognize your own shortcomings and sinfulness very clearly or you can, if you're prideful and you don't think you're sinful, then you can think of somebody in your mind that you're like, yeah, they're messed up, right? Sin is very clearly seen in humanity. So from Adam and Eve, it spread to every single person that would come after, including you and me. We're not perfect. We're sinful. So what does that mean for us? Well, a couple verses I just want to throw out there for you guys and what this sin means for us. Uh, Colossians 1.21 says that we were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. So we're going to get into this, but before Jesus said it is finished, right? Before we've put our trust and faith in 
Jesus' perfect sacrifice, we were alienated from God. Like, there was separation between us and God because of sin. That's not how he created it. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. But now, there's a gap. There's a separation. And not only that, but Romans 6.23, a verse that's super popular. And if and kids, if you've been in Awanas, then you probably re- memorize this. But it says, for the wages of sin is death. So not only are we alienated or separated from God, but the wages of the sin that we are, we've committed, again, sinners by nature and by choice, the wages of that sin is death. So there's a huge separation between us and God. In fact, if you look in the book of Galatians, and I know I'm jumping all over the place. You can write these down in your notes if you want to. Galatians 5, it says that people who do the works of the flesh that make a practice of sinning and rebelling against God without repenting and turning from that sin, turning to Christ, putting their faith in him. It says that Sin is such a serious thing that if they go on without dealing with the problem, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So they're going to receive death and they're alienated from God and they're going to stay that way apart from being rescued or saved. Again, this is a big deal. When sin entered the world that day, guys, the consequences were worse than anybody could ever imagine. And so now you and I get born into this world and we have a serious problem. From the day that we're born, all of us have kids, right? All of us know like babies come out and they're not perfect. They have a sinful nature. And obviously we know that from ourselves too. And so this has been the problem, a sickness, a disease. We obviously know a lot about that right now, but this specific sickness and disease, sin, it spread to everybody. So we have a problem. God's perfect world is not perfect anymore because we jacked it up and all of us are messed up because of it. Our relationship with God has been broken. Now the question remains, how in the world can we possibly fix the problem of sin? Because it's a huge problem. We know that we ha- it has to be dealt with. But my question is, how, what could we possibly do to fix that problem of sin? Yeah, that, and that's a great question and a perfect tease, almost like we planned this or something. <laughs> but um, Jeremy's going to walk us through how some of the ways that, as we see in, in the word, how mankind, how you and I have really tried to work our way back to God aside from Christ. Jeremy. You bet. Man, as you think about the, the issue of sin, I think a lot of times, you know, in, in our culture, we minimize it. Uh, we, we don't really understand the true offense that sin is. And, uh, and to really get that, we go back to the garden and we, we begin to pick up the story of both sin and man's attempt to sort of climb out of the hole that he's in. Uh, and, and this is a deal with Adam and Eve sin. The first, first piece of this is that their sin was absolute. You see, God is the creator of the world and he created everything to function according to his plan and according to his rule. Under his, uh, his decree... Everything that exists, everything that is, comes under the authority of his decree. Uh, the, the sun does what it's supposed to do. Gravity, as a law, works the way that it is supposed to. The speed of light is, is, is the way that God has designed it to be. This is God's design. And everything in creation submits and surrenders to him. And so when Adam and Eve 
don't submit. When Satan falls and he does not submit, this is, this is against creation. It's an absolute sin. It's a violation of the created order of God. Not only that, but it's a personal offense. It's personal. I mean, you think about the, the reality of what sin is. God, first of all, comes up with the idea of creating Adam and Eve in the first place. And in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, he, he creates them. He places them lovingly into a garden. He makes them in his own image. He, uh, he supplies all of their need in the garden so that they can use their mouths for food. He fills their body as vessels with life that comes from his breath. And then, and then how did they respond to all of this benevolence? He gave them as a gift to one another. How did he respond to this benevolence? He respond, how did they respond? They responded really in this fashion. The mouth that they gave him was used to eat the fruit of rebellion in the garden that he had placed them in. Instead of eating from the tree of life, Instead of blessing one another, they, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and they began to blame one another shortly after. God had given all of this good stuff to them. And, and it's almost as if their actions spit right in the face of their good creator. And as a result, there is no way for them to make their way back to God. They are cut off. You'll you remember how the story closes in the book of Genesis where they are booted from the presence of God. They're booted from the tree of life and they are cast out of the garden forever. And, and the story doesn't just end there. Their sin is not only absolute, it's not only per personal and it's offense against God, but it's also corporate. Because what you see is that that sin nature gets passed down to man. And, and he's always trying to find some way out of it. He's always trying to climb out of that hole. It starts off with the story of their kids, Cain and Abel. You remember that, that God had commanded that they bring the sacrifice of a lamb, but, but uh, Cain decides, no, I'm going to bring the fruit of the ground. I'm going I'm to make my own way to God. I'm going to find my own path back to him. And his sacrifice is rejected. And as a result of jealousy for his brother, he ends up murdering his own flesh and blood, his own brother. His descendants and the descendants of, of Seth uh, go on to become so wicked. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 5 and, and on into uh, chapter 8, God has to hit the reset button on creation because man becomes so utterly sinful that he has to start over. And so he starts over with Noah. And we have this sort of new beginning. Okay, it's a fresh start. We can... We can, we can do this the right way. Here's the family that God has chosen. If All they have to do is just walk with him. But within two chapters after the flood, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 11, what we see there is that mankind is once again trying to work their way to God by building a huge tower to make their way up to the heavens and ascend to where God is. So God once again intervenes in human history. He comes down, he scrambles the languages, he resets the earth once again, and, and essentially divides everybody up into tribal settings. And, and, and instead of people worshiping God and turning to him under his hand of discipline, they turn to the stars and the heavens, they began to worship the creation rather than the creator who is forever blessed. And 
So God chose out one tribe, one family, the, the family of Abraham. He said, Abraham, all you have to do is just trust me. I'm going to make this super simple. You just trust me and follow me. And through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. Through your descendant, through the one that's coming from you, I'm going to bless the whole world. All you have to do is trust me. By the time we get to the end of the book of Genesis, not only has Abraham not trusted God and, and committed himself to him and lived in faith, man, his whole family is, is plagued with sin and doubt and rebellion against God's ways, and they end up in slavery in Egypt. And then the rest of the story of the Old Testament unfolds with mankind constantly repeating this cycle. God raises up a deliverer in Moses to deliver the people of, of Israel out of the hand of Egypt and, and into the land that, he, that he's promised. And his, his uh, command to them is, look, if you just trust me, all you got to do, just trust me. If you will just do that and follow me, I'll take you into the land that I promised to give to you and I'll bless you. But if you don't, if you're faithless, there's all these curses that are going to come upon you. Well, we know the story. God did deliver them. And by the time, they haven't even made it to the promised land. They're still in the desert. And already the, their trust in God is waning and they never make it in. That first generation never makes it in. So God raises up another deliverer in Joshua. And rents Repeat, the cycle starts all over again. They get into the land. They finally make it to where God has promised them. And, and within one generation, by the time we get from the book of Joshua's to the book of Judges, they're already in rebellion against God and worshiping and serving false gods all around them. And so God raises up judges. And then he raises up uh, priests and, and, and people to lead uh, the children of Israel out of their rebellion. Ultimately, he sets up a th God sets up a theocracy, and, uh, and he is the rule. He sets up uh, the worship of, of God and through the sacrificial system. He even is in control of the civil laws that govern the society. And all of this is his goodness towards Israel, and, and, and they should want to follow him. They should, it should be easy for them. But sadly... They reject him. They never keep the Sabbaths. They never actually follow him. And as a result, they, they end up saying, hey, we don't even want you as king over us anymore. We want, we want a human king. God says, this is a bad idea. <laughs> but they, he gives them what they want, and, and their kings lead them into sin and idolatry, and then they repent. Okay, we want to come back. And then they fall back into, so God raises up prophets to speak to them. He says, look, I have never been after people who just are following the letter of the law. The sacrifices were never meant to be a means by which you climb out of the hole of sin. Trust has always been the way that it works. You just have to trust me. But they, they go through empty ceremony and they, they refuse to, to love God from the heart. And so through the prophet Isaiah, God says to his people, he says, you know, these people, they honor me with their lips. They do all the right things, but their heart is far from me. By the time we get to the story of Jesus, we find out that the prophets have all been killed and persecuted by the children of Israel. And God has been silent for 400 years. And in the times in which Christ is born, that 
that nation is so overcome with their sinfulness that it's really divided into two groups. Those that have completely abandoned any hope of ever coming back to God. And those that think that all they have to do is work hard enough, keep enough Sabbaths, keep themselves unstained enough, and they can finally climb their way out of the sin hole back to God. How will they ever get back? That's, that's the big question. How yeah. will they ever climb out of that hole? The reality is they can't. They, they can't. And the, and the reason is, and that leads perfectly into um, a, a quote that I heard that I think is worth, uh, worth mentioning here. Uh, sin, your sin, my sin, um, produced a debt so great that while man alone owns that debt, only God can be the one that pays that debt. Let me read that again. Sin produced a, great, a debt so great that while man alone owns the debt, only God can be the one who pays that debt. You and I, we can't, we can't do enough good works, do enough, do enough to get to God, to get to, get to a holy, perfect God. <laughs> he, he had to come for us. And uh, just to recap some of the things uh, that these guys have said is every person has sinned. Um, and our sin has a cost and that cost is spiritual death. You know, physical death is separation of our, of our soul from the body. Spiritual death is separation of the soul from God. And that's the cost of spiritual death uh, of, of the cost of sin is spiritual death. Um, but, and, and praise be to God for this is that God loves us. And it's that whole Romans five, eight thing. God loves us, uh, demonstrates his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us on that cross in the end it is finished it is finished and the beauty of that too is that anyone who believes and confesses that jesus died for us and rose again will be saved from sin and belief doesn't mean just a oh yeah i believe that that might be out there belief is a rock solid like i know that christ died on the cross for my sin and and lived a perfect life that i can never live died the death that i should have been the one on that cross dying and and rose again to give me hope of life and that you you believe that and then you confess that. You confess that with your mouth, but then also with your life of, hey, I am submitted to Christ. I want to live my life for Christ. That's what salvation is. And that is the beauty of it is finished. Is he saves us from the penalty of sin, spiritual death. But for those who come to him in belief and in confession, he also gives us his righteousness. He, like literally, God through Christ, gives us the righteousness of holy God, perfection. And we, we're certainly not that. We don't obviously feel like that. But if, if, if you imagine God looking at you, there is sin, great sin. But then in steps one, Christ on your behalf, it says paid for. And, and, he, and God sees perfect, sinless Jesus in our place. So when Jesus says it is finished, that he's saying it is finished. <laughs> like all of all the, everything that the old Testament pointed to of all, all the, uh, these things of pointing to Christ, the coming one. I, he's, he was like, I'm it. I'm that person. And it is finished. I have paid the debt of sin and I have given righteousness to my people. And, and, uh, you know, praise God for that. Praise God for that. And so just to reiterate the beginning, because of the death of Jesus, you, me, we can have a relationship with God. And live a godly life because of Christ in us, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory. 
we get to live a, a we can and get the opportunity to live a godly life that brings honor to God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to transition into um, a time of uh, a song of worship during this next song of worship. Um, we're going to, and we'll end that song of worship with communion. I want you to take this time to think th- process through, okay, have I believed in the, the, the dead, buried, risen Savior that has paid my debt and has given me hope of life? And uh, is your life confessing that? And then also, like for, for believers, this is an opportunity to confess sin of, of what is standing between you and your relationship with Christ. And, and then also just the time to worship, to worship the, the Savior who died on the cross to pay for our sins. It's finished. It's finished for you. It's finished for us. Praise God. So let's pray. And then Mitch is going to worship. And then we'll finish that song with some communion. Jesus, we praise you. We praise you that it is finished, that you did the work on our behalf. You paid the debt that we can never pay. And you, as we know, and as we'll celebrate it in a couple of days, you rose from the grave and defeated death. And we praise you for that. Spirit of God, I pray as... Um, as people are listening and tuning in, God, that your, your spirit reach into their heart and, and God, convict them of sin, of righteousness, and, and lead them to repentance. Lead them, their hearts at the foot of the cross um, where their sin has been paid, paid for. Spirit of God, work in, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make wretches my 
crucified. He uh, sat with uh, the 12 disciples, one that would uh, betray him just a short time later, and uh, he had a, had his last meal with them. And uh, as as he was doing that, um, there were m- many things that he, he reminded them of, but many things he foretold of what was to come. And uh, one of them, um, and, and well, back up for a second, we, we do communion based off of that. And we remember the broken body and the shed blood of Christ on our behalf. And so I'm going to read um, what he said about the bread. And then I'll pray and we'll take that together. And I'll read what he said about the blood and I'll pray and we'll take that together. And um, for the bread, Jesus says says he took the bread. And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. God, um, thank you that you gave up your perfect sinless son, Jesus, to die a brutal death on our behalf to pay for the, the debt of our sin. Guys, we take this bread and remember the pain, the agony that your son uh, was put through. Um, God, we, we, we remember Christ. And, um, and even as we chew it, just the sense of, of the, the beating up the bread. God, Jesus' body was beaten on our behalf and, um, and killed on our behalf. We praise you, Father, for, the, for that and for what that means for us today. And we take, that to, take this together. In Jesus' name, amen.
And then it says, And likewise, the cup after they had eaten. Jesus saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant in my blood. Let's pray together. Uh, God, again, your perfect sinless son, Jesus, the, his blood was shed on our behalf. Many other sacrifices have been uh, thousands upon thousands upon thousands have been offered in times leading up to Christ. And they never suffice. But one person, one perfect, sinless Savior, Jesus, came along and his blood satisfies and suffice forevermore. And we praise you for that. And we, and we, as we drink this, we remember that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, we're going to finish up with a couple of songs. Mitch is going to lead us in worship. I want to continue to encourage you guys to worship from home as uh, and prepare your hearts as we head into a celebration on Easter Sunday of our risen Savior. So you guys uh, worship along, and um, we'll see you on Sunday. Okay. Pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, oh, by his wounds, we are healed. Pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, no, by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed by. In the life that you gave, we are healed for you paid the price. By your grace, we are saved. We are saved. He was pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our sins The punishment that brought us peace Was upon Him And by His wounds Oh, by His wounds We are healed He was pierced pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our sins the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds 
Jesus, 
that we could do to wipe away, to cleanse all this sin, Lord. There was only one way. And we praise you, God, because you came down and went to that cross, took our sin, took the wrath of God that we deserve so that, as Brent said, we can be called the righteousness of God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. We can't even say it enough, God. And Lord, I pray that as we go our own ways, turn off the live stream tonight, God, maybe maybe in a solemn mood, remembering your death, what you went through, maybe, maybe there's some sin in our lives that needs to be repented of and Maybe tonight was the night to deal with that. God, as we go towards Sunday, I pray that excitement would be building in the hearts of your people. As we look to the reality that that grave was empty on that third day, you rose from the grave, that your death wasn't the end, Lord. It was was finished. The debt had been paid in full. You've done everything necessary to to rid your people of sin, to restore the relationship with you. You've done it all. It was finished. But God, then you rose. You conquered death. You showed your victory and power over it. And now, Lord, we can rejoice in the fact that we serve a risen king. That there's eternal life in you. God, we look forward to that with an eager longing love you, God. Thank you for just allowing us to hear a simple proclamation of the good news of the gospel, what it is you did for us, God, because you love us. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, Heritage family, thank you guys again for hanging out with us on Friday night. We pray that you just be blessed, whether you're by yourself, with friends, with family, Maybe continue conversation. Let what Jesus did fill the rooms of your house as you talk about it. As you rejoice in it and the forgiveness that we have only because of him and in him. And again, let the excitement build for Sunday because, again, the best part of all this is that Jesus didn't stay dead, right? A lot of people died on a Roman cross, but only one rose up from the grave. And that's the God that we serve. Heritage, we love you. Thanks for hanging out. I hope you have a blessed couple days, and we'll see you again on Sunday. Bye, guys.